Okay, welcome to another edition of Fresh Meat. Uh, we are over in New York this time. Second time we're doing this. Actually, no, third time we're doing this from New mm-hmm. York. Um, live from, not live, but we're in Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. I just want to say that, live from New York. Yeah. Um, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the brand as activist. Um, is this a model for the future or a flash in the pan? And uh, with me we have Jessica Becker uh, from our New York office. And we have Jason Fermin. Um, and I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves in a bit. But... Basically, sort of in the last few years, we've seen brands take a more visible and active role in the promotion of social and political causes they believe in, from Nike support of um, NFL player Colin Kaepernick, which you know received some backlash but didn't hurt Nike one bit, uh, and Starbucks, I don't know if you guys remember, had that much panned attempt to uh, start a conversation on racial justice with your barista. Didn't really go down well, but brand activism is on the rise, there's no doubt about it. But what I want to sort of probe in this uh, podcast is... Whether this is just a reflection of our current polarized social and political culture um, that sort of seemingly demands everyone um, has to sort of clearly signal their values, or are we seeing the beginnings of a long-term shift in the consumer brand relationship? Um, So it's no surprise then that in this climate, we're seeing a lot of conversation around purpose or around brand purpose specifically. Um, And this podcast, we're going to be discussing that idea of the brand as as an activist, a model for the future of just a fad. So Jess, Mm -hmm. what's up? Hi. You good? Welcome back. Thank you. It's always good to be back in New York, even though it's rainy. I need to come in the summer. Um, I think that's that's. Oh, the summer's a little bit brutal there on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, it, no, it's it's better than you know polar vortex or rain. So I'm good. <laughs> so um, yeah, do you want to give a little intro to who you are? Yeah, what for you sure. Do? So I'm Jessica Becker, managing partner of Manifest New York. Um, as many of you will know, um, as an agency, we exist to help um, build brands that change the world. Um, so this is obviously a topic of immense interest to us at Manifest. Um, this year already, we put out a campaign a couple of months ago called Show Stigma the Finger, which is, a, a, I guess, a great example of brand activism. Um, and that was on behalf of an inclusive sex toy company called Hot Octopus. Um, and then last year, we um, put out a campaign on behalf of um, Brewdog, the, the Scottish brewery, in which we um, announced our intentions to open a bar that straddled the US-Mexico border to kind of kickstart really important conversations about what's going on there and then the power of beer to bring people together and stuff. So, yeah, really interesting. Thanks for coming. Oh, I'm, re- I'm really, really looking forward to this. Uh, and Jesus Fermin, what's Hi. up? Hi. Thanks, Hi. For, thanks, thanks for coming here. down. Thanks for braving uh, the rain. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. (laughs) Um, I am Gisa Fermin. I am an art director, a brand strategist, and a graphic designer. Um, In my time currently freelancing and formally as comms firm's uh, Sunshine Sax's first ever art director, I've worked with a wide variety of uh, organizations, some including cause and nonprofit like Planned Parenthood, um, the UN Refugee Agency, as well as different kinds of startups and, and corporate clients like Keels and Kinuforics. What I will say is that across the board, no matter uh, what the industry or the scale of the company is, most of these brands are looking to engage with their community and society um, as a whole. So this conversation is a timely and a pertinent one. Cool. I think let's just dive into it. What, yeah, let's do what, it. what do you guys define as brand purpose? Um, I'll I'll start. I think it is a a goal that is moral. I think 
um, and it's about changing the world for the better, and that is a moral stance. So for me, it's not just necessarily making an impact um, in the general sense, um, and oh, if it helps the bottom line, it's great. Uh, I think there has to be a moral need to it. Um, and I guess probably when we go on with this conversation, we'll try and eke out if there's a difference between purpose and activism. Um, I sort of look at that as activism as sort of more an, a more urgent purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but morality, I don't know that's such a nebulous, difficult word to define. I think to me that's where purpose comes in. Um, I don't necessarily think all brands need to have a purpose, but if you have a purpose, it has to be a moral one. That's sort of mm-hmm. where, where I stand in it. What, what do you think, Jess? Um, so I guess my understanding of purpose is it's this almost higher order reason for a brand to exist other than just making pretty things and making a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I guess it normally dictates how a company intends to change the world, like you said, for the good. And I think uh, the power of purpose is that not only does it kind of attract customers or community to the brand, but it also really kind of like fosters a culture within the business itself. So I know not manifest like we are all very much drawn to manifest because of the purpose of manifest and what we do. Um, and like what that means you end up getting this like kind of bunch of people that are all really aligned in their way of thinking and I think that's what brands are doing at the moment as well with their kind of purpose I um, from a brand strategy perspective um, view purpose as um, when a brand identifies their ideals and their values and uses that to affect any kind of positive change um, on a personal level, to a community level, to a global level. So it's really identifying what kind of impact and mark they want to leave for the better uh, on the world. Mm. Like, right now, especially in the, in the U.S., when you have a purpose, when you have um, uh, a, uh, a stance, it oftentimes means that you you need to also have a political stance and we're in a very polarized society now mm-hmm. um and i i feel like brands are still kind of cautious in, in that sense like they're doing and saying things that everyone interprets as possibly left but they're unwilling to actually align themselves politically with with anyone um so like you know it's easy to sort of say we well, you know we're environmentally friendly and we're doing all these great things with recycling and all that uh, but when Trump pulls out of the Paris Agreement, you don't mm. say anything uh, because you got stakeholders and shareholders and, and whatnot. So how should brands navigate this political landscape knowing that their audience um, and their consumers might want them, like, some of them might want them to be sort of more vocal politically? Uh, is, this, is it necessary? You know, are we going to see brands becoming more, I guess, vocal and active? Uh, or... Are we going to see a regression into just the safe space of oh you, we don't get into politics, which is which used to, I mean that's been the way brands work like mm. you know yeah this is our stance but we don't want to get into politics. Um, for me, it's about being authentic. So mm. I think get into politics if it feels right for that brand. I think consumers are savvy they know if you are just trying to like jump on the bandwagon of a kind of social issue Mm. for the sake of selling products but i think if it feels authentic and it's ingrained to the business then um 
you can have a say on political issues. I think the example of Nike was really good in that they knew that they were going to alienate a bunch of people, but they almost got to the point where they're like, fuck it. Like, if you think like that, then really we don't want you to join the community. Mm. And it actually worked for them. There's, I think there's obviously going to be risks if you're going down the political side, but it's just being prepared that you could potentially lose um, a bunch of fans. But actually what you could gain from it is mm. so impactful and amazing that you kind of, I guess it's about weighing up those two. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really tricky. Um, and, and to echo what Jess is saying, authenticity is the key there, right? Um, because, you know, just like you said, consumers are incredibly savvy mm. and we have the advantage of having the internet at our yeah. hands. Yeah. So we can very easily um, look up corporate reports, see who your stakeholders are, um, see how much people are getting paid at your company and figure out if what you are preaching is actually what you're practicing. For sure, mm. yeah. Um, on, on that point though, consumers being savvy, I agree. But also, is it just about convenience? Because in the sense that if you disagreed with Kaepernick kneeling down and Nike put him on an ad. Okay, we're Adidas, we're New Balance and whatnot, right? But for some companies like Google, like Uber, that are almost um, some, sometimes necessary, depending on the situation you're in, um, you might not necessarily agree with some of their, their stances, but you have to use them. I don't, I'm just trying to figure out, are consumers savvy when it's convenient? Or are people actually willing to actually, uh, I guess, inconvenience themselves because of their principles? I think there's a question there about, um, I think one of the deeper questions there can be about accountability and education of that consumer, right? right? What we generally find is that if that consumer has a peer group or a local community that is informed and that is talking about, say, um, shopping local as opposed to shopping Amazon, mm. they are more likely to shop local as opposed to using Amazon, mm. even if they are in a rural or remote, remote area where mm. Amazon is actually going to be more convenient. Mm. Um, if you don't have that kind of social accountability, mm. you're maybe a little less likely to. Mm. Um, I think um, with the millennial, I guess, market, they are like the most well engaged and have like the the strongest moral compass probably of all generations. And I reckon with that audience, they are the type that are probably going to be like, no, do you know what? I'm going to use Lyft every single time Mm -hmm. instead of Uber because I'm like really like against Uber. Um, I guess maybe you'll see an older generation and this is totally just, I guess, um, generalizing, but that are more going to go after the convenience piece because I'm not sure maybe purpose matters as much Mm. like I think purpose really matters to this kind of millennial gen z gen alpha well all of the gens but I guess my I guess don't think my parents would care as much Mm. about a purpose ingrained into the business they just want convenience selection and probably the cheapest price going still Mm. so true I do I was briefly reminded there when you mentioned Lyft versus Uber Mm. and just thinking back on your question about whether or not um, brands can take a a very active political stance against, say, a standing president or a specific member um, of the government. Um, Lyft, I remember Lyft donated thousands of dollars to the ACLU after Mm. Trump's um, proposed Muslim ban. Mm, mm. Um, And that actually increased so many, so many new users towards Lyft. And it was an interesting way to take a stand without necessarily Mm. directly addressing Trump. And I may be totally misremembering this. They might have released a statement directly addressing Trump. I don't know. Mm. Um, But sometimes 
the reason why I'm remembering this is that sometimes it's good for brands to make a statement with action mm. as opposed to necessarily putting out a tweet that's saying, you know, poo poo, shame on you, mm. Trump for doing this. You know, you're looking at the Muslim ban, look at the ACLU, which protects certain people's rights, donate money to them instead. Mm. I think that's a. Sorry, you want no, to I was just about to say, I think that's where almost kind of pur- purpose, which we were previously discussing, kind of transforms into brand activism. Because yeah. I see activism as an evolution of purpose. Like purpose is more like you saying what you believe in. And mm. then activism is more you actually doing it, like taking action. Yeah. And I think that is, I guess, a really good example of them like putting their money where their mouth is and saying like, this is something that we believe in and we're going to champion and actually show it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's how I see those two as kind of working together. Yeah, and in your interpretation of activism, does it have to be about something urgent in a sort of specific society or can it be about anything? So, uh, like, in the case of Hot Octopus, mm-hmm. uh, a, a sex toy company, um, the, is, is the idea really, uh, I guess, being active or or amplifying the conversation around around pleasure would you consider that activist or does activism have to be around something that is threatening you know our ability to live like the climate crisis yeah. or the border crisis i see it more crisis? as i guess like rallying for something that's important for society or right. a problem that society is facing right. and i think that could be either way it could be something that's like hot on the news agenda like yeah. like the border crisis for example or it could be an, an ongoing um issue that we're facing such mm. as stigma within the sex space so yeah. i think it's about um the the rallying or the standing up for something and the, the kickstarting of a movement and getting people to join that so it's not just about necessarily a brand being like we believe in this but it's about we believe in this we've built something so that you can join and you can also have a voice to to say what you believe which is aligned to what we believe mm. one thing that I guess I've seen over the last sort of ten years or so is the the humanization of brands and the ex the expectancy that brands behave kind of like humans do. So on social media, if there's something funny that has happened with a brand, we expect the brand to actually tweet something clever and funny, like "Hey, your brand is in the news! Like, do something funny!" You know, and we I mean we've no we've noticed there've been several examples of incidents that, that have happened either in popular culture and a brand has been slow to react so i guess in a long winded way trying to say um there have been times when brands have been accused of of sort of talking about issues that are not necessarily related to what they do um and where why are consumers pushing back if a if a brand i don't know like a, a shoe brand starts talking about the climate crisis you know people might be like oh, i'm not sure you guys are the best people to talk about it. Should brands always play roughly in the area that that they work in? Um, or can, can a brand, like a, can a, an, an alcohol brand, just say, you know what, we're going to start championing, um, I don't know, the AIDS crisis in Mozambique. <laughs> you know, why is there that need to almost have some relevancy to what the brand does on a, day, on a day-to-day basis? Is that necessary? Again, I think it points to a question of um, authenticity, Mm. right? Do you, as a consumer, feel like it makes sense for this brand to pursue this specific kind of 
social cause or social good moment. Yeah. Um, but I guess as a as a person, if I want to champion a cause that doesn't necessarily relate to my day to day, no one would really question that. I think it's about. Um, what your community cares about. So I remember right. years ago, this is premier manifest. We did a campaign, a brood, it was a brew dog campaign. And what we, the, the insights before that campaign was about looking at what brew dog fans were talking about yeah. when they weren't talking about beer. And at the time it was Vladimir Putin. So mm. I remember manifest London at the time created this amazing campaign, which mm. was like kind of really opposing Vladimir Putin. I think it was called hashtag not for gays. Yeah. Um, but, and at the time, you could have been like, hang on a minute, why is a beer brand talking about what's going on over yeah, there? But yeah. but we knew from insights that our audience was interested in this topic. They were discussing it between themselves. So it actually felt right. Mm. So I think there's the due diligence to do to make sure that this is an area of interest that your community care about mm. um, and that they want someone that's got a voice louder than them to um, kind of share on more of a global scale. Um, so, yeah, I guess everything goes back to this authenticity piece. And it's like, does it feel right for the brand? Does it feel right for the existing community and the potential future community? You make a really important distinction there, too, in that authenticity doesn't have to be, <clears throat> excuse me, authenticity doesn't have to be this like internal inward thing with the organization only, mm, right? right? The brand only, that they can look at what's affecting the people who really participate and engage with their brand. Right. And in that way, that is still authentic, right? Because mm. most brands do care about their consumers, even though I think we live in a world <laughs> where people are really cynical about that. Yeah, they, yeah. T- they tend to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, if this alcohol brand has a large um, sales base in Mozambique, but they see this crazy epidemic there, yeah. maybe they want to help out, you know, their consumers in Mozambique in that way. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Is purpose necessary for every business? Great question. <laughs> I feel in this day and age it is. I feel like um, consumers expect it from brands almost, that they stand for something more than just selling products. I think all businesses and brands have an impact on the world. So a brand needs to really clearly define how they want that impact to be um, Mm. on society. Um, And I think kind of conscious consumerism is like on the massive rise and it shows no sign of kind of slowing down. So brands need to be looking internally at what their purpose can be to make sure that they're building their communities in the best way. Mm. What do you think? I think if you want to um, look towards the most strong future that you can for your brand and also just looking at sheer numbers of it, right? Gen Z coming into spending power, millennials um, accruing more wealth and having greater spending power, you probably want to have a more purpose-driven brand because those demographics are looking at that in um, products that they want to you know, acquire, brands that they want to support, whatever it is. Mm. No, no, I, I agree. I, I, think it's, I think it's necessary um, to run an ethical business. I think, like, take Uber, for yeah. example. Yeah. I think wasn't there, one of their goals was that they wanted to be a billion-dollar thing yeah. by 2020, and that's all they were laser-focused on. And yeah. as a result, you had, like, um, a community of people that actually didn't really like Uber, mm. didn't really know what they stood for. It kind of dissolved all trust in the company, and now they're having to do a U-turn. Yeah. And basically, they brought in this new person. They're doing all these, like, TV commercials, and they're actually trying to weave back in yeah. purpose mm. into the brand because they didn't have it to start yeah. with. All they qu- cared about was money. But in this sort of age of fake news and overload of information, it's sometimes difficult to parse 
what is true purpose and what is mm-hmm. essentially like work washing. Take the the example of of WeWork, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's all about it's all about trying to empower people to start their own businesses, a space to sort of live and thrive and enjoy yourselves. But the founder was just living large, yeah. you know, private jets. You know, essentially mm. renting out space to himself. It was, it was weird. Yeah, I think it's just got to be ingrained into the DNA of the company. There was another example. I remember Lacoste, you know, the, the sportswear brand, yeah. did this like, awesome campaign at the time where they changed all the little alligators to endangered species. Yeah. And it was like to, to raise awareness for like how we're like killing off all these animals. But then it transpired that they were still selling like gloves made from like deer leather or something <laughs> on the website. And it was like, I think it the purpose has to be true. It has to be built in and woven into the company mm. otherwise at the end of the day you're going to fall short somewhere case in point we work which is obviously really sad mm. um but you're seeing time and time again these brands that are making all these like huge claims then someone like unpicks it and they're like hang on a minute yeah. um so yeah it's got to be true it's got to be woven into the business like yeah. you can't be making big claims about like um gender equality if you're not paying your women as much as th- what you're paying your men for example but, but then are, are we too quick as consumers and audiences are we too quick to believe corporates corporations when they say oh yeah you know this is purpose-driven take uh, uh the example of um the statue of the little girl facing mm. the, the oh, bull that's right. you know <clears throat> and it, it turned out it was you know by uh, a hedge fund that was not that you know <laughs> it was, mm. was not that equal you know, but everyone is like, this is it, this is a rallying cry. I, I feel like we're maybe a bit too susceptible to marketing. But then I guess question back to you was obviously that's a shame when that kind of comes into light. But <clears throat> what the girl did was she sparked conversations about women empowerment. And the argument, I guess, could, back could be, well, if you're propelling a conversation into mainstream conscious and conversation, then <clears throat> does it matter? I'm not necessarily saying yeah. I agree with that, but I yeah. guess that would be the rebuttal on it. Right. I think about this a lot too, especially, in, you know, and I just made a point about um, people specifically looking at the spending power of younger generations mm. and that being uh, a strong reason for why you should be purpose-driven or why brands want to be purpose-driven. Um, but sometimes it's more than just the spending power, right? Like, Sometimes it's nice to just see a brand take mm-hmm. a stand, even if you don't want to like mm. buy what they are selling. Sometimes it's nice to see someone with a big platform behind them mm-hmm. say something about a specific issue. And in that way, they're moving the conversation a little bit forward. Mm. Yeah. No, I they're not agree. activists themselves. And I yeah. do, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts about whether brands can be activists. My opinion is actually no. Mm. I think they can engage in it, I think they can be active. Mm. But the work of activism is different. I actually, I actually think brands can be, mm. um, and brands should be, because the the way I look at it, a lot of the challenges we face, the sort of existential challenges we face as a society, are industrial in scale, right? So if you if you think about the the, the climate crisis, you think about plastics in the oceans, you you think about um, you think about endangered species and and, and all that. When you sort of boil it down as to why the situation persists, it's industry. It's it's industry. Mm-hmm. So I think the 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 trick is corporations essentially letting us believe that 
yo, you need to recycle more. And, you know, if you recycle a little bit, you can save the earth. By all means, do. I'm not trying to knock recycling. Everybody should recycle, <laughs> you know. But for, for us to see actual, an actual shift that would stop pollution, it's an, it, we need to go industrial. And that's where corporations yeah. step in. Because it's so easy to just be like, oh, no, it's you, the consumer, that needs to change your behavior and i'm like boy but you're putting in co2 into the into the atmosphere at a crazy scale so obviously brands can be activists i think they should be they they should actually you know i think activism would actually lead to the kind of um scientific leap we need to actually solve the the climate uh crisis for, for, for example but also Nation states also have a lot to do with that as well. Um, nation states, it's weird to think of them as activists, but <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much we need to do in, in order to, uh, to to actually make sort of seismic shifts in society. I, if you look at, for example, the um, the AIDS epidemic in the in the 80s, right? There was a point where, I guess, collectively, everyone just thought, this is it. This is how, you know, half of humanity is just going to die. We, we cannot solve this. And in the U.S., there was essentially just deregulation of pharmaceuticals and say, hey, guys, you know, we're going we're going to fast track your testing of, of drugs. Like, just gung-ho, we need to solve this. This is an existential crisis. Everybody needs to just accelerate and solve it. That is activism. That is saying, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. Solve it. And we slowed it down, you know. Um, and that's how I think we need to start looking at, at, at things um, because it's easy to fall back to this idea of starting a conversation and that's that that's a term that I think is necessary at times but it becomes a, a cliche like let's start a start, conversation yeah oil companies People are looking for more yeah stop but, talking start doing yeah, yeah but oil companies start conversations about the climate mm. crisis every day but they're still <laughs> drilling you know so they have to they have to build something into their business to show their commitment yeah. to it it's like we're doing this within the, the, the business the, what the best adverts on you know green a greener world are made by oil companies mm. <laughs> like if you see bp and exons like ads I'm like, oh, this, is, this is beautiful. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody's driving electric cars. Yeah. All the kids yeah. are happy. There's so much green. Right. But then they're out there, you know, like. Spilling <laughs> like, oil into spilling, our oceans. Yeah. And, and, but, yeah. but they would say, we're starting a conversation. I'm like, nah, I don't need a conversation. I need you to stop drilling oil. <laughs> Fair point. Honestly, I guess to answer my original question, we, you would, I guess, have to define what activism even means. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. can. That's totally subjective. That really yeah. takes on a different tone depending on where you're located, what your access to certain resources are, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but with brands, it's it's interesting. You make a, a really interesting point there in that they can kind of put their money and their weight in their platform yeah. behind specific issues in the way that sometimes an individual can't or even organized groups and movements can't. Yeah. Um, but part of my concern sometimes maybe this is super cynical, is that as long as making money is concerned, mm. as long as the dollar is attached to it, mm. you kind of have to wonder mm. and kind of investigate where some of the motive lies. And again, authenticity is a word that we keep on using today mm. if they are practicing what they preach internally. Mm. Um, but also, just as, as an aside, I think activist work is really um, time-consuming, um, deeply emotional, yeah. uh, 
labor. Yeah. It's a full-time job. It's yeah. an identity. And it's hard for a company to be focused on profits as well as be activists mm. in the way that sometimes that's really, society mm. demands. That's a really good point. You know? You're seeing though, like more brands though getting those people in as that's their full-time job. I was listening to a podcast this morning about um, Vogue Australia have just hired an editor-at-large who's just focused on sustainability. And her job is to basically make sure that sustainability is woven into every single feature within within the magazine because Vogue <coughs> realised that they have to talk about sustainability, especially within the fashion space, which is so detrimental on the earth. Um, so I think we're seeing more and more companies realise that it is a full-time job and it's really intense and it needs someone to kind of commit all of their focus to it. And they're actually bringing in those roles to do that. I guess it's a, 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 a I guess, a step after, like, kind of, like, CSR stuff, essentially. Mm. No, that's a, good, that's a good point. I think, to what you were saying, Gisa, it made me think about this idea of changing, changing minds or changing behaviour. Um, so if you have if you have an end goal of X, you know, there's two ways to get there. You know, do you change people's minds and force them to actually come to believe like you do and get to that goal? Or do you essentially you can change laws or whatever to get people to act in a way that will get you there? Um, and le- if, if you look at the case of electric cars, for example, um, as, as you were saying, it's all about it's all about the dollar. And until we got to a point where it was feasible to, you know, travel across America in an electric car because there's charging points along the way, mm, right. um, then car companies were like, okay, actually, we're not going to lose money by saying we're going to completely divest from uh, internal combustion engine cars. Um, and we're getting to the point of, oh, there's less pollution because more car companies are making uh, electric cars. Um, they can't make them fast enough. I mean, it's it's a sense of, you know, there has there have to be structures. There have to be that the government has to be involved in making it easier. People have to change their minds. Actually, saying, oh, okay, I can actually see myself owning an electric car, and it's not going to be seen as you know less than or whatnot. Um, culture has to change. The idea that you know a muscle car or a big you know big van is van a big truck is mm. you know a symbol of masculinity that needs to change um but ultimately i think it's an activist position for a car company like volvo for example to actually say you know what 2025 we're not going to make any new internal combustion engine cars because of the climate crisis so that, that that's how i sort of view activism in, in that sense like it's it's answering an existential question um, could be a global one or could be, you know, a societal one or, or, or specific to a country. And as, as you were saying, just put your money where your mouth is and actually say, we might lose fans. We might, you know, it might affect our bottom line, but the greater good mm. is too important to not make this change. Um, and I think in our lifetime, I think the best example is electric cars. Just Just think, like 10 years ago, the idea that there's going to be a lot of electric cars riding around town was just is weird, and now it's 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 fathomable that in ten years' time, most cars will be electric. It's it's a possibility. I mean, it might not be in the states, but definitely in 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 Scandinavia, in mm-hmm. Sweden, in Norway. Um, but yeah, that's to me that's activism. That's like you know we got to solve this and we got to do it fast. Mm. But yeah. 
It's interesting though. Um, just uh, there was that uh business roundtable, which is sort of a group that includes CEOs of leading U.S. companies, like a a lobby group, um, essentially, like CEOs of Apple and J.P. Morgan Chase and Walmart. They issued an open letter, um, titled "Statement and the Purpose of a Corporation," um, and what they said actually was that. Uh, corporations are accountable to five constituents: shareholders, consumers, sorry, customers, employees, suppliers, and communities. And in their letter, they um, highlighted that um, the environment is part of the community, uh, which is a shift from that, I guess, Milton Friedman esque. It's all about the shareholders. Like, whatever you do, it needs to go back to are you creating value for for the shareholders? So I guess it, this is hopeful. I'm trying to be. I'm trying. I'm trying not to be <laughs> too, too cynical here, but it's it's hopeful that you know we're actually seeing billion dollar CEOs actually say, hey, you know, perhaps it's more than just the shareholders. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Is this is this a sign of hope or is this just corporate woke washing? Oh, gosh, hard not to remain super fucking cynical here. <laughs> Especially, it's just so funny because, you know, I work in this industry, but I'm like on the low, low kind of anti-capitalist. <laughs> um, but <laughs> same, same. Same here. I mean, you know, I got to put that more into practice, I guess. But um, it's, yeah, this kind of statement uh, raises some eyebrows because these are uh, some corporations that are sometimes some of the biggest offenders of mm. human rights viola- violations, mm. um, environmental uh, negative impact, mm. um, companies that have backed um, politicians and governments that are really not mm. for mm. their employees, their community, the mm. environment, all these things that they say they are now really caring about. Mm. Um, on the other hand, though, it is a good thing that they released the statement because at least they're thinking about this internally. I'd be curious to see if they have hired people internally mm. who are holding them accountable on mm. the inside to this um, statement. Mm. And on the subject of accountability, the public can kind of try and help keep them accountable. Yeah. And that's something that we've seen anyways for the past few years since like the beginning of Twitter <laughs> is that people will call out these brands for all the bullshit that they're doing. Mm. Then sometimes though I feel that people are too quick on Twitter. Definitely. And there's no room for them to grow. Mm. So sometimes, I I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm obsessed with Twitter culture and stuff and love it that people do jump on brands that do something like put a foot out of line. But sometimes I think we can be too hard on brands that are trying to do Mm. something good, for example. Mm. And um, I think there's learning on both. Like brands are just learning. They're just entering this space a lot of the time. And sometimes I think we can be on their back too too hastily, basically. Yeah. And Mm. and in the same way that we should be more forgiven as people, I think there's there's an argument to be made Mm. that we can be more forgiven of brands. Depending on, you know, what. Yeah, depending on what they've done. Like some areas I just look at and like head in hands, just like, what the fuck were they thinking? (laughs) Truly. It's like, who was in the room? I know. How did this I feel like we're having that conversation almost daily at the moment. Like we had it again yesterday. But it's just like, how is this going through so many people, so many smart people Mm. in really senior roles Mm. and getting the okay? Immediately thought about that when it came to Pepsi. Yeah. I was like, who the heck? Um, but that's the thing, though. I, I think we're, we're sort of drifted away, but it's a good Sorry. point. No, it's, it's a good point. Because I, I think 
oftentimes a lot of big decisions are sort of given away to marketing teams and, mm. P- and PR teams. Like in the case of the um, Italian football thing, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Um, Italian football has a big problem with racism, mm. um, soccer. Um, and yesterday they were like, oh, we got to do this big campaign to challenge racism. And the, <laughs> the campaign was a picture of three gorillas. Oh, no. <laughs> and I mean, and the, the issue in the, in the stadiums is people doing monkey sounds. Like <sighs> three gorillas... Um and they all have like one has an Asian eye, one has an African eye, one has, mean, yeah it was just ridiculous. But everyone is like, how did this get signed up? And it goes down to this idea that there's people who are like, oh, the marketing team know best. They're plugged into the culture, so they would sort it out. If they think it's fine and I feel uncomfortable, they know. So let them do it. Surely they'll have thought of that. Exactly, and that's how these things happen. Mm. Um and. And I think that's why corporations still keep making missteps because it goes back to what you you and I have have talked a lot of times, Jess. A lot of people just see this messaging. Mm, it's like, yeah. you know, how do we just get the best message out? So it's true. Like, yeah, and it's and and then the consumer just ends up then just saying, "Oh no, Nike had the better messaging. Adidas is messaging as well." It's like, no, no, what's going on in the background? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what's what's actually being changed? How are lives being changed, and not just you know who can tell the best story? Um, because if 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 it's all about storytelling, then you know nothing actually gets done. I think there's a conversation to be had about like transparency as well with companies, yeah. in that um, kind of opening themselves up so that you can see all the intricacies of the business and how it's being operated and mm. things like that. And actually, those brands that are really being transparent are the are the brands that a lot of consumers are veering towards. So you've got yeah. like. I think especially within like the fashion space, you've got all these brands such as like Everlane, for example, which show you every single part of the process in which where all of their textiles come from, how they're made, where they're made, who's making them, etc. And actually their community really like that. Their community want to know that everything is, I guess, by the book every step of the way. Mm. So I think there's something to be said about transparency. And I don't know if that falls in the same vein as brand activism or even how we got there. But I think it's an interesting conversation as well. Yeah. No, I think just to sort of wrap, wrap this up, I think what we're sort of coming down to or distilling is that a lot of brands nowadays talk more than they do. And mm. they need, we need to see more, more doing, less mm. talking, or maybe doing as much as you're talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are these sort of existential threats to our communities and then our societies our countries the world um that brands have because of their immense power to shape our our lives should have the responsibility to shape our lives for the better like Um, celebrities i think i think we expect celebrities to have a say on what's going on um in world politics and kind of social issues so and we we, and and we expect human other human beings to as well so we should expect brands to as well the age-old spider-man thing right with great power comes great responsibility (laughs) (laughs) brands have not just great power they have great funds Mm. you know and true (laughs) the world we we're living in is literally dying um mm. and we need to we need to hold the powerful accountable because brands are not just uh 
not just powerful in the abstract sense, they are also the main contributors to the reason why, you know, we're we're this free fall. Um, so let's just hold into account yeah. in in every way we can. That's as individuals, but also ensuring that our elected officials, our governments are also, are also holding them into account. Because the most dangerous thing that can happen is when the governments and, and corporations are in cahoots. Um, ultimately, it's the mm. regular folks that suffer. I actually think there's something really powerful about when they co-create together or when brands come together who may potentially be competitors to fight for a issue of greater good. I think there's something yeah. really powerful in, in that. Yeah, That's super impactful. And I think... I'm starting to remember now the point that I was mm. <laughs> trying to make here in that um, that is an example where it goes beyond just the messaging, mm. right? You're actively joining hands with your competitor, someone yeah. who's taking active sales away from you, yeah. whatever it is, um, to make a difference and, you know, potentially hopefully impacting policy and governmental changes, et cetera, on the whole. Um, but part of my concern is that sometimes it stops at just, you know, the PR release, mm -hmm. the the fun, interesting mm. uh, Instagram story that they release and, you know, the cool ad on TV and the yeah. tweet and that people are retweeting it in turn mm. and that that's their also their form of yeah. activism. Yeah. And that's their metric. That's what they're they're measuring. Mm. Right. They're like, oh, you know, how many retweets did we get or who's engaging with the story we're telling and it's got to like, be more than reach it's got to exactly. be on impact it's got to be on impact right it's got to be on impact and it's hard to say that every company in the world should show us how to be more active yeah. in the world um that's really difficult for a lot of companies to do it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get there but i do think it's an interesting step forward that will be for the best because as people start to look away especially from their governments i think trust and faith in the government mm -hmm. is generally an all-time low across the world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um people are looking point. more and more to brands and their peers That's a good point. and i think peer groups kind of have their way of talking about different politics and activism but sometimes looking at the brands and seeing what they're doing can inform how you and your peers then move ahead in the world that's a good point Man, this has been good. We can go on for hours. But, no. uh, mm. This is this has honestly been been very. Uh, I, I think I, I I started more cynical than I left, which is good. Hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having uh, us. This has been fresh meat from Brooklyn, New York. Till you love time. saying that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, folks.